Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. Well, here we are with Christmas only now three days away, and maybe you're listening to some Christmas music, and maybe you've been even thinking about that little town of Bethlehem. And we're so familiar with that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but let's remind ourselves of where it came from, and that really takes us back to the Old Testament as you look at Micah 5 through 7. Now, remember, When these magi come from the east and they come to Jerusalem and they ask, you know, King Herod, or they're asking around, where is he who is to be born, the king of the Jews? They don't scratch their heads and say, you know, I don't really know. No, they instantly know the answer. It is Bethlehem. And that comes from Micah chapter 5. It says in verse 1, now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So right there, even just in that second verse, is so much packed. I mean, it tells us that Bethlehem was not a special town. I mean, we even sing to this day, oh, little town of Bethlehem. But it says from this little town, a ruler is going to come forth whose coming is from of old, from ancient of days. And that is King Jesus. He is the ruler. He is the king that will sit on David's throne. He is the one who will reign forever and ever. And it all starts in this little town of Bethlehem. And that's why one of the lines in that hymn uh, talks about the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That this king is so significant that the hopes and fears of all the years were really wrapped up in what was going on in some uh, small little town in the hill country of of Judea over 2,000 years ago. I hope even just as you think about that, uh, some of the familiarity of Christmas rubs off a little bit and your eyes are open to be reminded of how powerful what it is we celebrate at this time of year is. That Jesus was born and that Jesus is the king, not just was a king, he is the king and he will reign forevermore. What happened in that town is still affecting you today. And what happened in that town shows us what kind of God our God is. And we see more of that at the end of Micah. Just consider the last few verses in chapter 7, where it says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. 
So there we're reminded that this God that we worship, he is a forgiving God. And it uses some amazing language there. He treads our iniquities underfoot. He casts our sins into the depths of the sea. Think about that for a moment. Think about your sins. Think about what you have done to offend this holy God. And now think that those sins have been trampled under his feet. That that he has cast them into the depths of the sea. And all that was possible because of that baby that was born in Bethlehem. Now, does that forgiveness go to everyone? Uh, We know that message, we want to get that message out to everyone, but that message comes with a response that we need to repent and believe. And we get a sense of what repentance looks like in chapter 6. When God makes it clear, it's not just about going through religious motions. You can't just go through the motions um, of offering sacrifices for them or even today, some kind of religious rituals. But he sums it up in a very famous verse, Micah 6, 8, where he says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now, as you think about those, we need to be reminded it's not, hey, do those things and you can somehow earn your salvation. No, that's not how it works. This is a grace-based, forgiveness-based thing. Our sins get thrown into the ocean. But what you should understand is these are the attitudes that will be shown in a heart that is truly repentant. A truly repentant heart is going to do justice love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. It's not going to be just going through some religious motions of um, reading your Bible or going to church and just doing that. It's really going to be your heart loving these things. And it will lead to an attitude we also see in Micah 7, 7, which says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So from Micah today, let's be reminded of the importance of Christmas. Uh, the character of our God, and also the character of true repentance. Now, it's very important that we understand this king and that we understand repentance, even because of what we will see now in Revelation, chapter 18, verses 1 through 13. And as we consider this verse, we again see God's judgment. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And what has characterized Babylon the great? Well, it talks about for all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Now, that's kind of what's going to characterize this wicked Babylon the great. Uh, The sexual immorality and also uh, it seems to be a materialism, right? That's just focused on luxury and the goods of earth. And even you see more of that in the cargo that no one is buying there in those last few verses of the chapter. But look at what God says to his people, uh, starting in verse four. He says, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And so there we see this call to come out. And that's where really right now we should be reminded, even even now, living out that repentance in light of God's forgiveness of our sins and how he has thrown them into the bottom of the sea, we should be motivated to come out 
of the world, and specifically that our lives should not be characterized by sexual immorality or even just by this passion for luxurious living. It really reminds me of what we see in 1 John 2, where it warns us not to love the world or the things in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the the pride of life, because the world is passing away. So let this verse be another warning to us uh, to avoid the, the world's way of thinking, avoid the world's way of living, and to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Now, in order for us to experience that salvation that we've talked about, our Savior had to die. And it's clear the way he died uh, was crucifixion. And we, we see more of the preparation for that in John 19, verses 1 through 16 today. And this takes us back to Pilate and Jesus. And clearly what goes on at the beginning, Pilate seems to be wanting to get some sympathy from the crowd. And so he makes Jesus look like a pathetic figure, uh, leading up to verse 5, where he says, behold the man. But um, the chief priests and the, the religious leaders, they will not be satisfied with anything less than the death of Jesus. And again, we see that Jesus does this willingly. Verse 9, you would have no authority over me at all, he says to Pilate, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he, has, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. But what really seems to to get Pilate more than anything is when the religious leaders really remind him that they have no king but Caesar. And also that they put the screws to Pilate saying, hey, if you let this king go, you're no friend of Caesar. And there seemed to be some complicated dynamics between Pilate and the Jewish leaders, uh, where they had gone over his head before and kind of gotten him in trouble. And it seems like uh, they're threatening to do that again. And so to protect his own well-being, to protect his own job, uh, to protect his own lifestyle, Pilate, he goes with the crowd and he does something that he knows is wrong. But we shouldn't just see this as the victory of the religious leaders or the weakness of Pilate. We should be reminded this was the plan of Jesus to be crucified and that no one took his life from him. He laid it down of his own accord, and he did that for our salvation. Finally, today we wrap up what's been an incredibly encouraging psalm, Psalm 145, verses 15 through 21. And as we look at this, I want you just to read this and to reflect on the ways that God has provided for you. It talks about the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And so there, even even if you feel like you're in a time of need right now, I want you to reflect on all the ways that God has been good to you, all the ways he has even just given you food, the ways he's satisfied your desires. And then it gives us some conditions in these final verses that of really the people that God um, is near to, who he fulfills the desire of, and he preserves. It says he is near to all who call on him, who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him, and then he preserves all who love him. May we be those kind of people, the people who fear the Lord, the people who love the Lord, and the people that faithfully call out to the Lord. 
and we're reminded just of how good that God is and even this forgiveness that he has given us as we go all the way back and think about the significance of what happened in that little town of Bethlehem. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.